What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. It is Power to the Pod. All of the mailbag questions that you have submitted throughout the course of the past week, we're talking about it here today on the show. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-founder of the DraftNetwork.com, and just really steering the ship today. That's all I can do because it's power to the pot. It's our mailbag episode. We do it every week, and it's all the things that you want to talk about. It's all the things that are on your mind. It's a chance for you as the Dolphins fans to provide your voice uh, for what you are observing as it pertains to this football team. And... um. I haven't dug too far into the questions yet for this week, but I am anticipating a little bit of a bumpy ride between two quarterbacks out and two losses after three straight wins to start the year. It's been a bumpy ride. And uh, hopefully this can serve for a little bit of that group therapy that, that we could like to joke about. And we joked about last year in the midst of seven straight win or losses for the Dolphins. Uh, so let's see what's on all of your minds. The first question that I have, uh, actually, we're going to do the the podcast reviews, but I did want to tackle this one from Twitter first, and it was asking me why there is not more time allotted to uh, the backup quarterback uh, in your weekly game plan. And this is kind of a tough thing to wrestle with, especially in the, the the case that the Dolphins had this past week uh, where they were already without starting quarterback to a tongue of Aloha, And then it's Teddy Bridgewater and you got to get him on board in a certain light. That's going to allow him to get adequately prepared. And the Dolphins had a couple extra days, but then all that preparation went out the window uh, on the very first play. So, as far as offensive and defensive game planning go in the NFL, um, they are so detail-oriented that running effectively two game plans parallel to one another and collecting that information at the same time, it's resource allocation in a lot of cases. And, of course, we think about these teams as, as billion-dollar franchises who have anything and everything at their fingertips and disposal, but... But the task of doubling, and, and even if it's not doubling, but but taking time, this is why some coaches will look for those competitive advantages if they have a question at who's starting a quarterback where they won't come straight out and say it because they want you to have to split your attention with what you're planning to do in the game and have to account for two different things because that means the depth of what you're able to do with your first unit um, will not be as comprehensive. So it is a game of slight, slight, slight margins as pointed to by the Dolphins uh, kicking a, a field goal in the fourth quarter to take a lead and then losing by three touchdowns against the Jets last week. Uh, kind of a bitter ending for the Dolphins, um, but it, it can happen that fast, and the margins are that slim. So I don't think you will ever voluntarily see a coach 
uh, or a coaching staff uh, begin preparations for somebody who's not, they know is not going to be the starter um, because of the opportunity cost involved with the coaching staff and, and the preparations for any, any week. Jesse has our next question. It's extremely early, but what do you think is more vital this offseason based off of performances so far? Three stud down, three down stud linebacker or a complete package tight end. Jesse, I think I actually got this one last week, but it's a quick follow-up. Um, tight end, as we discussed last last episode, is one that that really pops for me. A uh, man who can't even play from Australia. In reference to the head knocks and bumps, in Aussie rules football, if any player fails a concussion test, they are automatically ruled out for the game and the next game without question. Any head knock is reviewed by video as the game is being played and info passed on to doctors to test players in game. The system works really well. Also, tackling players are suspended for any tackles that cause head injuries to players like sling tackles players train and learn that they have a duty to care or duty of care when tackling the NFL needs to look at this. Um, that's good insight. I appreciate that. And I admittedly have not had a chance to watch Aussie rules football. I think, I don't think it's ever been on TV up here, but um, I think as the, the focus continues on being made a safer game, football, a safer game, Finding inspiration from outside resources, I think, is is a good thing. And I would certainly like to think the NFL as as a, a league that is starting to further expand itself internationally. Um, I'd like to think they wouldn't be too prideful to look at what other kinds of leagues across the world have from a concussion standards perspective, because obviously what we've seen is a very ugly public injury that was hotly debated beforehand, new policy put in place, and the immediate knee-jerk reaction of the corrective measures um, has created a very slippery slope. And, you know, Obviously, that kind of overhaul to the head injury system can't happen overnight, but it's something that I hope the league does look into and does continue to explore and, and ask themselves, how can we continue to get better at providing the players with the right kind of attention and care and walk that tightrope between being conservative but not being excessive? Today's podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is full of twists and turns, and it's important to show up for yourself through it all. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can help match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You could schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to be on camera if you don't want to. And getting therapy every week is as easy as a few clicks on your laptop or phone. With therapy, it could take a few tries to run, find the right fit for you. BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change therapists if needed. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. 
They have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. That is 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. I'm not even going to try and say this next username, but we got a five-star review. First and foremost, I love the show. Been a daily listener since the Travis days. Thank you. Appreciate the honest and fact-based insights and takes. It's nice listening to well-informed opinions. Thank you very much. My question. I'm finding it harder and harder to be a fan of the team. I'm 28 years old, and I've been a fan and rooting for them for as long as I can remember. If the losing and mediocrity wasn't bad enough, it seems like once the Finns started to turn it around, we are constantly surrounded by bad storylines, whether it's Bullying, the offensive line coach snorting white substance, tank narratives, tampering, Deshaun Watson rumors, and now this concussion controversy with Tua. Really want to believe in the team and Mike McDaniel, but seems like things are going to fall apart like they always do. Any advice or kind words to keep me, help me keep the faith going forward? I was at the Cincinnati game and saw the scary moment with Tua up close and personal, so maybe I'm just emotional. Thanks for all your hard work. A frustrated Finns fan. Listen, I don't I don't think any any emotions or feelings that you just expressed are exclusive to you. Um this is definitely nobody ever ever is going to accuse the Dolphins of being a lucky franchise, right? It's um or at least in this generation. I'm 33. Right? Yeah, 33. Uh, yeah. And um my life experiences have, have mirrored yours very closely as it pertains to the Dolphins. And um, I guess you, you just have to ask yourself, like, what do, you, what do you want out of football? And what do you want out of being a fan of football? Do you want a nice distraction on a Sunday? Do you want something to follow religiously? Is it somewhere in between those two things? Um, I will say this, it, it, it feels like the dolphins right now, their process in my mind has been good, uh, since 2019 to put a structure in place that is going to allow them to be a competitive team year over year over year. And I think what we're all waiting for is we're all waiting for like that breakthrough moment or that breakthrough year to say, it's over. The meet the stretch of mediocrity is over. And then you get a three-game start to the season that beat the teams that you beat, and everybody gets excited. And rightfully so. We were all excited. I'm sitting up here smoking cigars and drinking whiskey and having a good time. But I feel like the Dolphins have the right players, the right young players in place. And I feel like the Dolphins do have a coach who has the ability to get the Dolphins where we want them to go, which is to be a fun team to watch. They certainly were fun for the first three weeks of the season. Um, try not to live in the moment, which is something that I struggle with myself. You know, I'm a very avid fan. I'm a diehard fan of this football team. Clearly, all the stuff over my shoulders here. And then a game ends and you lose. 
and it, it does leave the bad taste in your mouth, but I try to separate myself from it a little bit. It's not easy when you do a podcast five days a week, but then put it in perspective. And football is a business, but football is also fun. And it's supposed to be fun. And if that means you, well, I lean on college in weeks like this week where there's not a lot of excitement. I'll lean on college and I'll look to college and find excitement there. But it, don't, don't put them on the pedestal, I think, is, is something that I would also recommend because looking across the league, the Rams just won the Super Bowl last year and their team is a total disaster right now. And yeah, you could go back and say, oh, well, at least we won the Super Bowl. The Indianapolis Colts were supposed to be heavy, heavy playoff contenders. The Denver Broncos traded all these first-round picks for Russell Wilson, and getting first downs is, is pulling teeth. There's a lot of chaos across the league in general right now. The only teams that are happy are the New York Giants, who weren't supposed to be good, who are 4-1, and one, outperforming their expectations. We'll see how long that, that maintains itself. You think Dallas Cowboys fans are enjoying having the conversation about Cooper Rush being undefeated as the starting quarterback and saying, oh, do, do we have a quarterback controversy with our $40 million a year quarterback in Dak Prescott versus the backup in Cooper Rush? And we could certainly sit here and say, hey, what a great problem. We'd love to have that. Philadelphia Eagles are 5-0. and They're a team that deserves a lot of credit for having it turned around. The Raiders were a playoff team last year. They're one and four. They're terrible on the offensive and defensive line. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been good for forever. And there's Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there. They've won six six Super Bowls. There's a I'm up in Pennsylvania. There's a Steelers fan that literally his there was a eulogy that went viral um this past offseason for a Steelers fan who passed away and said he wants the um Steelers to be his pallbearers so they can let me down one last time. Teams won six Super Bowls. Like, fandom in general is, is hard life. So I'd say stick, stick in there. Keep it in perspective. Um, try not to give them more real estate in your week than they warrant. And, and right now... Um, it's been tough sledding. Hopefully we can get back on the horse this week and, and find a lot more enthusiasm for the team this upcoming week. Coach Lamp, why won't Tua throw the ball out of bounds? Great podcast. Been listening steady for two years. Enjoy the podcast attention detail. Two questions. If you only answer one, please master the first. Why is our defense getting all of this praise and acclaim? I understand they have been tough, I mean, mentally and physically tough, but we have a quick strike offense that is sitting for nine to 10 minute drives. Isn't a great defense marked by its ability to get off the field on third down. They are putting themselves in position to wear out as the season progresses and keeping potential powerhouse offenses off the field so they can't get any momentum or volume. So the pres it presumes it's still on the offense to do something every position because they might not see the ball for another quarter. What did the Dolphins do, need to do to get off the field on third down? Dropping, Stop dropping interceptions right in their hands would help too. Yeah, turnovers are a problem. 
turnovers and sacks are a problem. Um, but again, this all ties back into who you have in the secondary healthy. I don't, their strategy is going to have to change to become more proficient on third down. And the Dolphins, I'll go ahead and pull this up. Right now, kind of scared to look. The Dolphins are 30th in the NFL defensive third downs. This is still a relatively small sample size. It's five games, uh, but 49% of opposing fourth downs are converting. Now, they are seventh in the NFL on fourth down conversions, so that's good. But, yeah, they when you play soft and you play coverage, you have to tackle in space. And as we've seen, there's some opportunities with uh, the ball underneath getting out to the check downs and us not finishing plays in space that prevents you from getting off the field. So tackle better in space. Drop seven and eight in coverage. And then when your corners get back, then you can play the kind of aggressive style that you want to play. But I, I think it is, again... The way the defenses was constructed to be run, they can't run right now because they don't have the corners because $35 million worth of cornerback was on the sideline against Jets. I remember the other, his other question. I remember the winter before Tua was drafted, Nick Saban being asked about Tua's competitiveness. I don't think about it much, but I didn't think about it much then, but his response was essentially, Tua is the most competitive kid I've coached. He won't give up on a play. It's why he suffered the hip injury. You won't give up on a play. My question is, why not? Why take the hits, the negative plays? Do you think this latest injury will help him wake up and realize he doesn't have to take all these hits? That's a good question. Um, and this goes back to uh, in the offseason, one of the things that was a point of emphasis was taking the check down more, getting to the check down more quickly. Uh, Four-yard gains are plenty good on second and seven, second and ten. But it has never been a strength of Tua's. He wants to make big plays. And in college, he had a lot of success doing it. Think about a touchdown pass that he threw against Vanderbilt his freshman season. He was in the grasp, spins out of it, extends inside the pocket, pirouettes, effectively spins because somebody else grabs him. He's spinning around and throws the ball to the back corner. It's a touchdown. And he gets lit up in the process. Um, as Tua, when, when Tua is able to come back, and I know I mentioned this, uh, I believe it was last week. But the messaging for, for Tua from Coach McDaniel, we have to impress the importance of you protecting yourself. Because we've seen what this team looks like with Tua, and we've seen what it looks like without Tua. You have to protect yourself. And if that means, we're going to punt, so be it. If that means you're going to take a responsible sack or even a sack that's a little too early. Like, Tua physically outside of structure, like, he's mobile on rollouts. He's mobile within the pocket to make the first arriving rusher miss. But if he has got free runners bearing down on him in a congested pocket, or if he's trying to get outside the pocket when he is set up to throw in the pocket and then has to restart himself, 
I can't think of too many positive plays that have come out of those situations. So that awareness needs to be there to say, this is not a winning proposition for me. Let me get out of this. Let me either get the ball to check down right away or let me mitigate contact and live to fight another down. It absolutely has to be a point of emphasis moving forward for Tua. There's no question in my mind. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Undefeated with a question about Mike Gusecki. Love the show. Think most sports media personalities are solely entertainment focused and lack respectable critical analysis. Game not the same for you. Thank you very much. Wondering why we're attempting to use Mike Gusecki as a traditional inline tight end when it's obvious he never will be. I'm wondering why he can't convert into a big slot or outside possession receiver. Can McDaniel Magic not make 4-5 speed at 6-6 work? Here's the problem with Mike as a wide receiver. And this is, this is my opinion. Go back to Penn State. Mike won down the field, up the seam. And jump ball situations. But he was always a contested catch guy down the field at Penn State. Made some really good highlight catches. You go back over the last couple of years, Mike spent 15 to 20% of his reps as the ISO'd receiver on the backside of sets. Mike can't get off press coverage. Mike can't separate. 4-5 speed in a linear situation is totally different than running routes isolated against a boundary corner. And Mike is not an uh, agile or fluid mover for his stature. Mike's best attributes are able to shine when he is releasing in the middle of the field carrying across leverage, across the face of defenders, and he's either getting back behind the second level or he's carrying across the middle of the field where he's this big body that you can, especially with a shorter quarterback, frankly, see over the middle of the field. And then you get down in the red zone and you want to put throws up above the rim like the touchdown pass that he scored against Baltimore, some of these touchdown fades that he scored over the years, and like that's where he shows up. But if you want to play Mike at slot receiver, you got to remember this is a run-after-catch oriented offense. Run-after-catch, the opportunities are most ripe in the middle of the field because of all the space, but you need to have speed and agility. You need to be able to start and stop on a dime. You need to be able to cut on hard angles. And Mike, quite frankly, doesn't do any of those things. Mike is a long strider because he's 6'6". And he doesn't have the short area agility to to manufacture and shake himself free. And then, then you piggyback off of that and you ask what the skill set of the other players in the skill group looks like. I wouldn't want Mike running the re- the routes that cross across the middle of the field that are the most threatening routes that you have. Because those guys can take it in stride if they hit him in stride and they can make a house call. 
we're surprised when Mike breaks a tackle. So people go say, oh, well, use Mike as a receiving mismatch. Well, who's he a mismatch for? Especially relative to the other players that you have on the offense. And that's for me, that's that's why I'm calling around if I'm Chris Greer. Like I've seen enough. And it's not that Mike isn't a good football player. The way that you committed to, we want to build around the strengths of Tua Tungavaloa have mitigated the strengths of Mike Gusecki in my mind. And you can point to last year and say, oh, well, Mike had all this volume, and that's because nobody else was available as pass catchers. It was Waddle, Gusecki, and nobody else. Parker was unavailable half the time. It's it's just a really tough situation, but I, I don't see it getting better, and I I don't fault the Dolphins for not being, quote-unquote, more creative or anything like that, just because it's... Mike's a linear, big-bodied, high-cut tight end that's a field stretcher. And if you're going to build around your quarterback and commit to your quarterback, that means you're, you're probably going to have to make some concessions at that position with that kind of skill set. Got a couple more. Uh, Mike is our next one from Denmark. Not sure if there's a question or just a rant. I'm so sick of trusting this team. Special teams is awful. They don't tackle. Defense never shows up in a big game. They really needed them today, and they just embarrassed themselves. This is coming off the Jets game. The Jets team is promising, but they aren't any good. And on offense, good thing they kept Tanner Connor around the drop one pass all season. Why keep Gasecki if there's no use for him? Trade the guy and free up cap room and Skylar Thompson. Yikes, he clearly is not ready. He doesn't know the offense, can't read the field, and was basically awful. Bridgewater isn't any better, by the way. Holland doesn't make any plays. Phillips doesn't make any plays. Howard and Jones can't even show up for work. Just despicable. I have no hope for the rest of the season. Mike, uh, a lot of this sounds like the earlier question that we fielded, and frustration is justified. Um. I think some of this, some of this is true. Uh, Skylar Thompson's not ready. Why keep Gusecki if there's no use for him? I agree. Um, Tanner Connor, frankly, I can't believe he's playing, and I understand it's it's injuries. But for an offense that needs a tight end who can give you valuable assets in the running game, I would argue that three of your four don't, or three three of your tight ends don't, even when you're fully healthy. And then Durham Smythe is a, a moderate player. He's not a good player in that facet. And Hunter Long, we think, can be good, but can't, isn't dressed in a month. Teddy Bridgewater might not be good, but I promise you the offensive effort would have been a lot better than what we got from Skylar Thompson. And I know I said it on Monday, but everybody who was asking for Skylar Thompson to be the starter, I hope you liked what you saw. Holland doesn't make any plays because it's really hard to with how this secondary system is oriented. And now you have to play conservative on the back end to cover for your corners. I don't fault Javon Holland right now for not making plays. Jalen Phillips is showing up in big ways, but not finishing plays because they can't play complimentary football. It's on the coaches right now. You got to change the way you call it. 
until you get your guys back because they tried to keep it afloat and we've seen what it's looked like. And to their credit, until the levees broke on Sunday against the Jets when they missed the field goal and then the Jets got momentum, I thought the defense played admirably with the exception of the coverage bust on the Brees Hall play. They played admirably. But we got to start winning some matchups up front. I can't make you feel better, unfortunately. But um, I hear you. And I think that's, um, that's as much as anybody could hope for right now is to know that you are, you're heard. Uh, Rocker with our last one of the day. Daily listener, Fins fan since the late 80s North in North England. When I saw Marino tearing it up on Channel 4. Love the show for your balance and analysis. It lets me sound parter, smarter when talking to my commander supporting friends. This won't be a unique question, I'm sure. But do you think it's time to accept we may have to pay Noah Igbenogany anyway, but paying him and wasting a roster spot on him is just throwing money away? Yeah, probably. And that's something that I'm hoping to see some flexibility with from the staff um, and the football, the front office side of things is um, you made some investments, right? And they were under a previous head coaching regime and they were based on upside or they were based on need. Um, but don't cling to them if you don't have to. Uh, and if we're going to be without these other corners for an extended period of time, yeah, I'd, I'd probably cut Noah and try to get a corner that I think can actually play defense. Because you're going to need the body. Um, I would give Michael Dieter a shot at left guard, too, right now. It's hard to be much worse. And then if over a couple weeks sample size, it's not any better, hammer the trade deadline and try and find somebody. Or sign a vet off the street. That's um, those are two examples of investments that you're not going to bat a thousand. And we've seen some really good hits. Uh, we've seen some investments that needed patience that have paid dividends. I'm sure these are good dudes. They're young. Um, and they might get their footing at some point. But the Dolphins really don't have the luxury of continuing to wait for this season. And I think everybody knows what our expectations were for this season. So it kind of makes that a tough spot. If you guys enjoyed today's episode of Locked on Dolphins, your team every day fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Crossover Thursday tomorrow. Then a game plan to beat the Vikings on Friday. Let's, let's hope we can get that one done. Because I think the energy will be a lot better for Power to the Pod next week if that's the case. Fins up. Thanks for watching. Or thanks for listening.